Well, listen, today is a kinesiology, and let me say before I start that our broadcast, we hardly had time to complete properly the lesson that dealt with homodiology, the matter of sin. So before we get into a direct study of angels and their work, let me briefly uh, review what we studied last week on the matter of sin. Uh, the ancients had different ways of calling the word sin by different names, and of course the word sin is the Anglo-Saxon word, which carries with it all the implications, full implications of the word, such as sin, sinful, sinfulness, sinner. And the modern concept seems to be that a sinner who needs to be saved is a drunken bomb in the alley the Salvation Army is trying to reach. Uh, the most outstanding set of sinners, I suppose, in America today are the men who run and control the news media and the Hollywood and television, the networks. Uh, you don't have to be down in the gutter at $8,000 a year to be a sinner. The Bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Now, the contemporary teaching of modern psychology, the standard baloney put out in the colleges by the uh, psychiatrists and psychopolitical change agents, is that it is bad to give people a guilt complex. This ranges way back to Freudian psychology and somehow survived the years like a prehistoric monster. And this peculiar teaching is that a uh, man, if he has a guilt complex, should be frustrated and then blames all the ills of society and most of the crimes on the fact that people are frustrated. The idea being if you let them do what they wanted to do, behavioristic psychology, everything would be just hostitase. Now, this uh, demoniac teaching of the degenerate psychiatrists was adopted not only in the schools but in the churches between 1900 and 1940, and it led to the contemporary situation you have now. One of the nation's outstanding psychiatrists, Carl Menninger, when he got up into his 70s, suddenly woke up to the fact that maybe he'd been on the wrong track for a good while and wrote a book on uh, whatever became of sin. Well, Carl, we'll tell you what happened to sin. The preachers in your town, Topeka, Kansas, quit preaching about sin. You say, how do you know? Because I was raised there and was a lifeguard at the Gage Park pool right across from the Menninger Clinic. Now, what happened was the preachers in pulpit suddenly took the liberal view of man, that man was good, and that if you just bring out the goodness in man and see the goodness in each man and reflect Christ and let Christ be seen in you, that you win people to Christ and the goodness of man would blossom and flower and bring in the millennium. It brought in two world wars. Don't you find that interesting? You say, well, we didn't start them. Well, what if, what if you didn't? Uh, Germany was still the liberal preachers. That's exactly what they've been teaching for years. And Freud and Marx and that bunch were all Germanic people in Europe, out of Austria or Germany. You see what I mean, Jelly Bean? Now, the churches picked up this liberal teaching under the League of Nations and Colonel House and President Wilson and some of the rest of them, and they, they formed what they call the Federal Council of Churches. The Federal Council of Churches was a council of churches that took the position that man was basically good, not bad, that sin was error or default or mistake and could be remedied by understanding and education. And this group began to get control of all the pulpits of all the churches in the United States. This wasn't always so. Up to World War One, a little bit later, for a few more years, on the times of Billy Sunday, preachers called a spade a spade. And they told their congregation they were born dead trespass and sin, they'd be born again. If they didn't, they'd burn in hell. But it was decided that this was the cause of the, of the world's evil, this putting people down and condemning people. And we began to get funny little books, you know, like In His Steps, 
that if you would do what Christ would do if he was here, that came out of Topeka, Kansas. I was there when the man wrote the book. And funny little books, you know, on the power of positive thinking, and cute little books like, I'm all right, you're all right, da 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 dun dun hey, you know, those kind of books. And the churches took this over. Not only did the liberal churches take over this preaching that man was all right, although the Bible said he's not, but many of the fundamentalist conservatives found that by buttering their congregations and soft-soaping them and talking nicely to them and not bringing up the matter, they could make more money and keep up with the liberal churches. So when the great charismatic movement came out of the Azusa Street Mission in 1901 and came to Topeka, Kansas, where the Menninger Clinic was, and in his steps, where I was raised, the fundamentalists began to soap, soft soap their congregation. Now understand, they still talked about sin and death and hell and Christ, but they adopted the liberal tone of voice. Did you notice that? And instead of getting on the radio and saying, Looky here, friend, be sure your sin will find you out. Sin will bring about death, damnation, guilt, perdition, punishment, eternal fire, hell, and burning forever. They said this, My friends, I... I'm going to depart a little bit today from today's format, and I, oh, I, I trust you'll understand, but the Holy Spirit leading me, and, and oh, glory to God, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit just led me to bring you this series of messages. I don't believe that I've ever bought a series of messages that have been so beneficial. Oh, I can just feel the Spirit of God. You see how it's done, baby? It's done like that. And by doing that, you develop a whole nation of people who are proud, arrogant, self-righteous, stubborn, rebellious, because their nature has not been changed. Their nature is still exactly as the Bible says it is, full of adultery, fornication, stealing, lying, covetousness, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, full of fornication, unrighteousness, wickedness, maliciousness, envy, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, covenant breakers, truth breakers. I thought that into the churches. That means any man that preaches clearly and loudly and plainly about sin and names it is going to be not really put down or condemned by the world of psychiatrists and people who think they're educated. The preachers will join in. Having lost their courage and their convictions, they're not preaching what the Bible says about sin anyway. And they know they'll lose their incomes if they side with a man who does speak clearly. So you and I have had the great day and age where everybody has their mouth full of beans or cotton. Did you notice that? We have the day and age everybody's full of cotton mouth, and if you took some of these Christian celebrities and gave them a ten-pound double-bladed axe, they couldn't break a butterfly's wing with it. Now, in the Bible, it's called sin. It is not called error, default, a lack of God-consciousness, a failure to adjust, or to reevaluate the principles are to integrate the ethnic community. It is called sin. That's the last word that Pontius Pilate ever heard from the lips of the Son of God. The Bible defines it. Quote, All unrighteousness is sin. If it's not right, it's sin. Now, do you want it any clearer? Be sure your sin will find you out. As lived a man upon this earth, after you go through that peculiar cycle of thinking that he was an exception to the rule and that he could get away with it. And if you want to know why most men over 40 years old are conservative, it's because they've had time to unload their ship. 
I'll say that again. The reason why people, most people who get over 40 years old get real conservative is because they've had time to reap what they did before they were 30, and they found out they couldn't break God's laws and man's laws and nature's laws and get away with them, and they become conservative. When you find a man who is still a left-wing radical after he's 50 years old, you're dealing with a man who doesn't have any conscience. Paul says his conscience is defiled and is seared with a hot iron. It's dead. There is no such thing as a left-wing radical over 40 years old unless that man has slain his conscience. Because any man over 40 has had time to reap and unload the ships he sent out between 15 and 25. And he has changed his mind about law-breaking, sin, transgression. That is, if he's sane and honest. A dishonest man may grab what go out on with it. After all, a thief is a thief and a liar is a liar, no matter what you do with him. Now sin began by doubting what God said, Genesis 3, taking from the Word of God, adding to the Word of God, and then disobeying the Word of God. Sin is defined in Psalm 51.1 as a transgression, in Psalm 51.9 as an iniquity, in 1 John 5.17 as coming short of the mark, in 1 Timothy 1.9 as lawlessness, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, as unbelief. The list of sins will be found in Exodus 20, 1 Corinthians 6, Romans 1, 1 Timothy 1, Colossians 3, Galatians 5, and Mark 7. The result of sin is death, physical and spiritual. The man is lost to God, he's lost from heaven. The guilt comes in, and the guilt complex is a very healthy thing and very necessary thing. When the modern psychiatrists got rid of the guilt complex, they destroyed their patients. You know why they couldn't uh, give them the right kind of a complex when they got rid of the guilt complex? Because they had no cure. The psychiatrist couch and the psychiatrist office became the pulpit where the congregation had to come and spend 35 to $75 an hour to get a temporary cure that did not solve the problem. That is, the psychiatrist stole the preacher's income when they didn't know the cure. Now, I'll grant you some of the preachers didn't know it either. But the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. That'll take care of your trouble in your childhood, won't it, Buster? And the blood of Jesus Christ will purge your conscience from dead works. Well, so much for electrotherapy and the lobotomy, friend. You see what I mean, Evergreen? What happened between 1900 and 1940 was the psychiatrist stole the... Uh, ministry from the preacher, and now the preacher has to rap with his congregation exactly the way the shrink does it on the couch. And that's why some of you people listening to my voice have, ne have never heard any real, straight, hard, sound Bible preaching for ten years, even when you thought you were hearing it. Some of you people thought some because some Campbellite quoted 15 verses during the broadcast, he was preaching the Bible. That isn't preaching the Bible. That's using the Bible to prove a lie. So we have this situation where getting rid of the guilt complex was done so the person didn't feel bad about something they should have felt bad about, and having erased the thing that they were supposedly kidding themselves about, they didn't need the cure. They have a street out in Hollywood called Beetle Lane. But has so many nuts on it, they talk about the id and the eros and the ego and the libido on that lane. 
Those Hollywood stars in a period of 50 years that live on that particular street have spent well over $3 million to sit around and rap with a man trying to get rid of a guilt complex, and the man they rapped with was just as guilty as they were. Or as one psychiatrist said to another going up an elevator, I feel a little bit schizo today. The other one said, that makes four of us. Now, the liberals, first of all, got this teaching in their churches, and they got it from the shrinks, and then it was placed into the schools. This happened in the schools between about 1920 and 1950. And during this time, it was decided that little Jimmy or little Johnny was really basically good. I'm all right. You're all right. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Hey, you know. So you let the kid go. Let him give vent to his impulses. Now, if his impulses collided with the impulse of those around him, then you taught him the only reason for adjustment was to get along with his environment. Ah, so. Hello, Pavlov and UNESCO. How'd you get in here? Then you taught the child that value was dependent upon the society, therefore all values were relative, therefore there was no such thing as good and bad. Which is why you can't find one public school in the United States that has any courses on telling what sin is or what it's not. Because nobody there believes anything except their own opinion is the best one, and if they don't have one, they ought to cultivate one in line with what they've been taught in the public school system. The public school system now, of course, is the federal school system owned and operated by the federal government. Therefore, the federal government has decided what's right and what's wrong. It won't be hard if you were living in fascist Germany to tell what was right and what was wrong. Whatever was for Nazi Germany was right. Whatever was against Nazi Germany was wrong. See how the snow blows? So if you've got a federalized school system where the federal government controls the busing, and the race mixing, and the curriculum, and the teachers, then obviously you will talk there's only one absolute thing that's wrong, and that's disobeying federal regulations. And the rest of it, they don't care what you do. You're such mispainting the picture. Don't gas me. I'm just a little bit hard up for time right now. I've got to kind of abbreviate it. I know some of you people try. I know you've got Christian teachers in the public school system. I know some of you have a little religious sprinkling in your classroom without anybody finding out about it under certain limited conditions in certain states and certain places. See, don't misunderstand me. But the schools have adopted the basic view that child is good, and natural development, developing his own opinions, will develop the best type of, you ready for the catchword? <laughs> Citizen. That's how they say it in Moscow. That's how they said it in Berlin. That's how they've been saying it in Rome since Constantine swallowed up the church. So there are all kinds of ways to get around this problem of sin and preaching against sin. So sin is so old-fashioned that people think that sin is some horrible thing that maybe Charles Manson did. You know the difference between Charles Manson and uh, President Carter as far as sin is concerned? You know the difference is between Corral, that fellow down in Houston, and Barry Goldwater is as far as sin is concerned? I'm talking to some of you people in the audience who go to liberal modern churches and go to liberal modern schools, and you have no more idea about what God has to say or think about sin than any atheist in the heart of the jungle. And most people in the heart of the jungle aren't atheists. That's an urban development, atheism. That came from the city. 
You know the difference between Karl Marx and Billy Graham is as far as sin is concerned? You know the difference is between Billy James Hargis and uh, uh, Dick Van Dyke is as far as sin is concerned in the Word of God? You know the difference is, say, between uh, oh, uh, Rosam Russell and uh, Hubert Humper Dicker Pumper Dinkle, or whatever his name is, and uh, Alice Cassidy and the boys, and say, uh, St. Francis, Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as far as sin is concerned? There is no difference for all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. There isn't a saint in the Catholic Church any better than Charles Manson or Carell or Mayor Daly or Huey Long or Pendergrast or Boss Crump as far as sin is concerned. And don't you misquote me, some of you bigots. You put in the qualifying word phrase, okay? You have to watch that bigotry. Make you talk like a liar. Sin is sin. Now, what is the remedy for sin? The one remedy given for sin according to the Word of God is not shock therapy, or hydrotherapy, electrotherapy, or play therapy, or group therapy. The remedy for sin is not a penitentiary or a rehabilitation in the Bible. The remedy for sin in the Bible has nothing to do with seances for, or lobotomies or progna or attaining enlightenment, or nirvana, nirvana, or samadhi, or getting rid of your karma. The remedy for sin in the Word of God is never connected with anything recommended by any major religious, scholastic, social, economic, intellectual, or philosophical leader anywhere in America today or Europe. Let's get that clear. The remedy for sin in the Word of God is the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 1, 29, John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. In 1 John 3, 5, You know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No man can cleanse himself from sin. Job said in Job 9, If I wash myself with snow water, and make my hands never so clean, yet thou shalt plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall abhor me. God said to the Israelites in Jeremiah 2.22, Though thou wash thee with nitre and take thee much soap, yet thine iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. One of the most interesting things that ever happened in the history of uh, philosophical intellectual lying and educational boobery took place at the World Fair in Chicago back around 1933, when all the divines of religion got together and trying to get the ecumenical movement on its feet again and get the Hinduists and Taoists and Buddhists back in the Roman Church. And when they got all the divine there, all the neo-orthodox and the evangelical, fundamental, conservative, liberal, atheist, agnostic, Taoist, Buddhist, Muhammad, uh, Confucius, and all the rest of the crowd, I got the beads and candles and robes and junk in there. I argued around for three or four days about well, the problems that they differ in the places where they were like and so forth and so on. A tremendous political movement. After about three or four days that, Joseph Cook, who at that time was a conservative Christian, got up before that assembled bunch of divines and raised up his right hand before the whole crew and yelled, How cleansest thou this red right hand? Well, 90% of the uh, neophytes and high priests didn't know what he was talking about. He explained to them he was quoting from Macbeth by Shakespeare, where the murderer, in one of his soliloquies, says, How cleansest thou this red right hand? That is, I've killed a man. I've got blood on my hands. How do I get clean? That's a basic problem. Did you know that? 
he had a guilt complex. Now, if he just had a good shrink at 150 an hour, he could have convinced him the reason why he killed that man is because he had anything against his father, because one time his father wouldn't buy him an electric train. And he could have got up and gone off the office saying, oh, now I see why I did it. Well, it's justified. I see that's perfectly rational. Now, that may be stretching a case a little, but not too much. There are some cases just about that wild, and there are some that are wilder. You know what the mortality rate is highest among people of, 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 for violent death? The highest mortality rate for violent death among people is policemen. Did you know that? You know what the lowest mortality rate is for violent death? Murderers. Did you know that? Don't you find that interesting in, 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 in view of the fact that the Associated Press have been trying to make you feel sorry for killers for almost 20 years because it'll sell newspapers? Wouldn't it be something if you picked up your newspaper tomorrow morning and found a full-page spread on the present state of the victims of the last three major killers who were sent to the electric chair with pictures of their widows and their children and their orphans? Isn't that something? You'll never see it. It isn't good press. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying you ought to have a guilt complex about some things. When Joe Cook said... How cleansest thou this red right hand? Nobody could help him out. The Roman priest said, Find the church that Christ founded and take the sacraments. Would that get it clean? Well, if you did penance and absolute contrition, would that make it clean absolutely? Isn't murder a mortal sin? Protestants couldn't help him. Protestants said, Live a good life, keep the Ten Commandments, and do good on others you'd have them do unto you. But he killed a man. When faced with real crimes, the liberal has no remedy but lock the fellow up and let the taxpayer pay for him, re-educate him, and let him out again so he can kill somebody else. That's their solution. They have no solution. Moses was a murderer. David was a murderer. You got the solution? Joe Cook said, how thunderous thou this red right hand? Well, the Buddha said if he'd been in meditation, he would have done it. <laughs> yeah, and the Muhammad and the Hindu and the Buddhist, they all had their claptrap to put in there about, well, if he'd followed our precepts, the noble eightfold path, and said prayers and bowed before Mecca and Shahada Rasulullah, Shahada Muhammad three times a day, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah, but man, hey man, he did it. The point is, after having done it, how do you get clean? Ah, there's one, isn't it? Now, the reason why that is such a bone-breaker is because that's an obvious sin. Now, in the Bible, you know what that murder is listed with? Well, I'll tell you what, friend. That murder is listed with disobedience, profanity, getting drunk, stealing, lying, and coveting things that don't belong to you. And that's why I said, and we'll repeat till hell freezes over, there is no difference for all of sin come short of the glory of God. What is the remedy for sin? The born-again, Bible-looking Christian has the only remedy that will meet the requirements of the problem. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7, John 1, 7, 1 John 1, 7. 
No man is without sin. Therefore, every man needs a Savior, a person. Why do you need a person? Because you are a person. Why do you need shed blood? Because you have blood in you. You're a bloody person. The Scripture has concluded all under sin, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second Corinthians 5.21 said, For God hath made him, that's Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. Now, isn't that something? If you're not saved, you need a Savior from sin, you need to be saved. And the Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. We put up a little sign on our car saying, Jesus saves, and Jesus saves now. We're not talking about Bernie Perron saving him from going into the net. When we say Jesus saves, we don't mean that he picks up a drunkard out of the gutter and gets him a job at the First National Bank. When we say Jesus saves, we mean you doctors, lawyers, bankers, college professors, mayors, governors, commissioners, highway patrolmen, policemen, deacons, elders, bishops, archbishops, Cardinals, priests, preachers, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, congressmen, senators, bricklayers, plumbers, electricians cannot face God at death in your own righteousness. You've got to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. P.S. If you resent that, go take a flying jump at the moon, because that's about as far as it'll get you. Now, some of you proud, conceited rascals have been going to modernistic churches and liberal churches for so long. When a man talks to what I'm talking right now, you almost have a conniption fit, don't you? Woe be to your minister, friend. Woe be to your minister who fools you to get your money. Woe be to your preacher who talk nice to you to keep you in the fold. Woe unto him, friend. Why do you realize in this country... Seventy years ago, a sinner couldn't find any rest for the sole of his feet till he found it at the foot of Calvary. Fifty to seventy years ago in this country, if a man went to a Baptist church, they were telling him he had to be born again or he'd go to hell. If they were in a Methodist church, that fellow was telling him he had to be born again, live right, or he'd go to hell. If he went to a Presbyterian church, they were telling him if he wasn't one of the elect, he'd go to hell. There wasn't any rest for the sole of his foot. But now any unsaved, godless reprobate can find any church in his town that will pat him on the back and preach what he wants to hear. And he can hide there from God until the fire alarms of God's judgment bells begin to ring, and then he better get an asbestos suit on, bud, because he's going to burn. Now, this is what we call the study of sin, a martyology. As I said before, we didn't get enough time on our last broadcast, so we've taken time out for broadcast on this before going on to our study of angelology, the study of the angels. But here we should note this thing about sin. That sin is still sin. The wage of sin is still death. Inflation hasn't changed those wages a bit. Be sure your sin will find you out. If it doesn't find you out in your home or family, it'll find you out in your character. If it doesn't find you out there, it'll find you out in your mind, and it will find you out at the judgment, and eventually it will find you out in hell. Be sure your sin will find you out. Don't kid yourself and think you'll get away with it. No man ever did get away with it. You won't get away with it. The wisest man that ever lived said, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsakes them shall have mercy. God sees and uncovers hidden sins, like the sins of Adam, the sins of Cain, the sins of Achan, Ananias, and Sapphira. They were all uncovered and brought to light. 
He acknowledged that sin will be discovered, but the sinner will be revealed too. There's only one hiding place, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. A shadow of a rock and a mighty rock and a weary land, that's the place we hide. Hide me in the rock of ages. Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom to be your pillow? Going to hide me in the rock of ages. Rock of ages, cleft for me.